Thank you for listening to the Reconnect Marriage Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Call. And I'm Lisa Call. And we are dedicated to having conversations that cultivate connection in our marriage. Thank you for joining us. Hey, welcome to the Reconnect Marriage Podcast. Uh, Lisa and I are back after a few months of taking a bit of a break. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And we, uh, in this episode, conversation, want to spend some time, uh, obviously, with each other and with those of you listening around what we've titled this podcast, The Grip of Envy. How about that? Ooh, sounds (laughs) ominous. Love the title. Uh, not that we have any experience with Not this that at we have all. any experience or uh, mm, thoughts, if or you will. Or have seen it at play over the last six months. <laughs> uh, I, I think for me in the clinical work with couples, therapeutic work, uh, it just is such a common theme. And in this world of marriage, we often don't talk about envy uh, because sometimes uh, the word envy. Uh, and for those of you listening, maybe think or pause for a moment and say, what is it? What does it conjure up? Meaning what is, what happens for you when you hear the word? I think sometimes we see it or hear it as if it implies there's something wrong. Uh, and so I think. Or something that ought not to be. Ought not to be. And so it's hard to admit. Yes. It's very hard to admit and very difficult to at least acknowledge. And so we hope this conversation maybe sheds a bit of light or insight into where is it at play in your marriage? Uh, what do you notice? Uh, in ways that it might divide uh, or ways that it might perpetuate disconnection and ways that we can recover from envy when it occurs. Uh, How do we define envy? Envy simply is uh, that we long for from something or someone else that we don't have, Uh, meaning somebody has a nicer car. Uh, We want that. Uh, Somebody has what we don't, and then there becomes a bit of preoccupation, if you will, around how can I get that? Or what's wrong with me that I don't have it? So in, in marriage, in partnership and relationship, it often comes into play uh, when one of us has an experience or uh, gets to do, quote unquote, do something, uh, participate in something that the other doesn't. And the, here's the bind in it is often it can create disruption that we're not even aware of. It can create resentment that we might not even be aware of. And so we want to create a space to have dialogue and conversation around where does envy show up for you? And how does it show up? How does it reveal itself? Uh, And then also, how do you find yourself responding to the envy that you hold toward your partner or toward your spouse? Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to name, too, because it, it feels like blame, it feels like it's maybe easier to identify in the other. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. hard to name it in the other without sounding like you're blaming them. Or, um, I don't know, it's just so full of shame and blame that it's hard to name. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that even rhymes. Um, <laughs> I, unfortunately, am all too familiar with envy being an Enneagram 4. That is our vice, is envy. And so I'm very familiar with the feeling. And um, I tend to envy more relationally. So if people are having big family gatherings or trips with, you know, friends or whatever, I can envy that more than just things. And so that's kind of my category of envy. And um, it is easy to identify for me, but I know for a lot of people, it's 
it's hard to identify exactly what's happening right now. And, mm-hmm. and even I think in our marriage, it's been a little bit trickier to name it without, um, I don't know, getting defensive and mm-hmm. starting, you know, a big conversation that you don't really want to have. But I think it's been helpful for us lately. It has been. Uh, and I think the reason it could be and might be helpful is because we've been willing maybe to name it or reveal it. Uh, so, for example, uh, Lisa's birthday is coming up in a few months. Uh, she said, hey, I'm thinking of taking our two daughters on a trip for to celebrate my birthday. And, uh, the, okay, on one hand, wonderful. Like, on one hand, that's great. And yet there was a part of me just for a moment, and maybe longer than a moment, where when Lisa gets to do what I can't do for whatever reason, there's often a feeling of envy. Uh, you get to do what I can't. Uh, I, I want to be able to do that. Now, logistically, it didn't really work out for me to go. That really wasn't the point. It was more of a, a and, and quote unquote girl's trip. I think you were trip. okay with it until it started to get really expensive. <laughs> well, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes and no. It was, it was that, but it was more of the feeling that you get to do or have what I don't. And I think that's what we're trying to highlight is I wasn't really aware of why I was a bit bothered. I was. I was a little mm-hmm. bit bothered. I was a little bit irritated. I was a little bit frustrated. It, I can say it's about the money. kind of was, but it wasn't. It was more of what was underneath. And I think when our partner, our spouse, gets to participate or engage in activities or relationships or experiences or trips or travel, whatever it might be, uh, there is a part of us, I think, for the most part, we can be okay, but there are times where envy creeps in. It's subtle, and and we're not always aware that's what it's connected to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, well, and also we we may not want the exact same thing. You know, I think, you know, Steve and Dan they go on these fishing trips for a week here or a long weekend there, and and I can feel envy toward that. It's not that I want to go fishing with them. It's not that I want to be standing in a river for, you know, eight hours a day, but I'm just envious that he gets to take that time and have that time with a friend. And so I think similarly, like we, we said, well, of course you're invited, but he doesn't want to lay on the beach with us and do girl things. And so sometimes it's hard to identify the envy because it's not that we want that same exact thing, but it's just more of a, a sense that, oh, you have something that you are loving to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't really have something in that category right now. Mm Um, similarly for me, Steve kind of has this new hobby of pickleball and he's created a community community with pickleball and they have several days now that they meet up or he'll get a call. Notice the word several. Several. (laughs) Or he'll get a call here and there and go, oh, I just got invited. And I mean, where, where I'm happy for him and that's just been just a really fun, unique thing for him to have right now. Sometimes I can be envious. I don't want to go play pickleball with him and his friends, but there's this envy of like, wow, you have something, or maybe it it might make me feel like you'd rather be doing that than being with me. And so it creates this tension that's hard to name Mm -hmm. because we don't want to, we don't want to be defensive. We don't want to hurt their feelings maybe, or we, or we do feel like we do want to hurt their feelings, you know, and we don't know how to bring that up because we just feel mad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you just named is is really helpful is that sometimes uh, it can evoke a feeling of you would rather do you would rather want to do that than maybe be with me. That that's where envy can be subtle. It it has a lingering impact, a lingering effect. You were out with a really good friend, I think it was yesterday. You 
had breakfast and coffee and I don't know, what was it like five hours, <laughs> five hours. How do you sit and talk for five hours? I don't know. <laughs> Some people say 3000 words a day. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that was 300,000. I don't know. But like you, you came home and you said, yeah, we sat, we sat and had a conversation in dialogue for five hours. And okay. Part of me is like, in no way in hell would I want to like sit and talk for five hours. <laughs> unless but, you're getting paid. Unless right? you get, yeah. <laughs> but there was a moment, if I was honest, uh, to be able to say, oh, wow. Like Lisa has in a way what I don't. I, I might not have, yes, the capacity or endurance, but also somebody to be willing to sit and be with me in my life like that. And so that's what envy feels like. Just It, it can be subtle. It can linger. And, and here's what could happen if we don't name it or reveal it is that it grows into resentment. And for a long time, I think in our marriage, we, we have somehow tried to hold it at bay or hold it as, as a secret. Like there's something wrong with me if I have envy. There's something wrong with me that if I desire what Lisa has, it implies something less than about me. And so I think what we're simply in this conversation trying to acknowledge is, of course, of course there's envy. Like that's human nature. Uh, where it gets in the way is if we choose not to acknowledge it, name it, reveal it. That's when this, I think the resentment grows over time. Right. There's the the bitterness mm-hmm. or the resentment that's sort sure. of simmering and we, we're maybe hesitant to name it. So it just kind of keeps going and then mm-hmm. it comes out in different ways. I, I think I can even have envy um, of your introvertness, you know, sometimes like, I wish I could just be content just being on my own. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I need, I, I'm such an extrovert. I need people. So like that takes, you know, planning and it takes time and, and so sometimes I'm kind of envious, like, I wish I could just sit and be for longer periods of time and be content with that, mm-hmm. you know, and that can even be kind of a subtle form of envy that it's not like, oh, you're doing something wrong, but there's just things that I might, might wish I had or I could do. And so it, it can be just across the board, so many different variations in each of our marriages that taking time, I think, just to think through, like, what what is it that might mm-hmm. build my resentment? What mm-hmm. might I feel bitter toward and it's okay to feel that like it's a natural and normal feeling i think when we don't name it and it becomes bitterness and resentfulness that's when it kind of begins to be a problem right and i think it was a problem for us when i think so uh, for a while when (laughs) this community that we were that i was experiencing around a sport has been so life-giving i mean it has been like just like i don't even know how to say it stronger than that but life-giving like a community to play and competition and all the things I crave and and there would be times maybe I was gone and I would come home late in the evening and you would be silent and you would maybe not ask much about it or be curious not that you need to but uh, I would notice something wasn't quite well or it wasn't okay and and I think it was difficult to actually name I think I'm a bit bothered and I think I might hold a bit of envy that you get to do and have what I don't and I long for a community like that and now, if you were me, what's your initial gut reaction, your gut response, your like almost what we would say visceral response in your body? It's often one of defensiveness, meaning, oh my gosh, I, what? Like, I didn't do anything wrong. I, oh, oh no, it could be a panic. There's often the tendency, which is true for us and has been when envy creeps in is, well, never mind. I just won't play anymore. Well, that's exactly what, well, that's exactly what happened with this trip yes, for my trip. birthday. Yeah. Um, it got to be kind of more expensive. And then Steve started questioning, like, do you Okay, really? it wasn't about the money. You keep on... No, I know. But I mean, I think that's where it sort of got highlighted. Sure. Is, 
because we chose Hawaii and Hawaii is so expensive. <laughs> and, um, and so when it even became a conversation, I just said, Never mind, I don't want to go. Like I li- I literally didn't want to go anymore because I didn't want the relational stress. And um I was just willing to say forget it. You know, I don't I don't even want to talk about it. And I think that can go can be really difficult too because I don't that wasn't your that intention wasn't at, all. Like not you, at all. Like it actually makes you feel it would make me feel bad if you said, Fine, I'm not gonna go play pickleball. I know. Like I don't want you to not have it. Mm-hmm. Like I want that for you. But I also, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we name it without making the other person feel like, oh, Mm -hmm. they have to stop doing what they're doing or they have to give up Mm -hmm. something that That they really enjoy or really like. Like, it's not asking you to give up your five hours with your friend. It's not asking you not to go on the trip. It's not asking me to give up pickleball. It's actually asking us to be aware of the impact. That that's really what envy is. Envy is a desire for the other to acknowledge the impact, the the desire to to somehow not feel shame around the judgment I hold toward myself that there must be something wrong with me that I don't have what you do. That, that is what envy can lead us to. And I, I think part of where we get stuck, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Yeah, no, I was just going to say it was hard for me to mm-hmm. come back and say, okay, what would you need? And you were able to say like, just to name that. Yeah, I get that. That, that would be hard. Like I get to do something you don't get to do. And, mm-hmm. but I just, it was so hard for me to name that because I just, I'd rather just say, forget it, I'm not doing it. And I and it just didn't feel like enough either. Because then I just feel like I'm going to feel too guilty or I'm going to feel too bad about doing it. And we, we had to have a pretty long dialogue, maybe uh, a day and a half, like where we kind of had to work it through. And to it come wasn't to like this, a day and a half straight. <laughs> <laughs> we had meals in between. <laughs> but seriously, like it, it was hard to was even understand the concept. Yeah, and of, I, I think that... Go ahead. Yeah, that that I can just say like, well, I can see how that would be hard for you, and then that would be enough, and I could still do the trip, you know. And so I think sometimes it doesn't take that much. I think we, we're worried that we have to do all these things, but I think what we're highlighting is really if we just acknowledge it, sometimes it can really relieve a lot of the tension. Yeah it it can feel like even in this conversation for a moment, it it can feel like there's a complexity to it, but there's there's a such a a wonderful simplicity to it. And the simplicity is that there's, there's no evil in envy where meaning that, that as, as human, the human nature of longing for what we don't have, that that's a key piece of our existence. And it doesn't need or mean that there is something wrong with us. Therein lies the judgment that we hold either toward ourselves or toward the other when envy is present. Where, where it grows, just like Brene Brown says with shame, where it grows is in silence and secrecy. When envy is not named, when, when somehow it's held mm-hmm. in secret, it's where it exponentially grows. And so if we can avert it a bit, or we can redirect it, or if we can reveal it in a way that says, hmm, hey, can I check in with you? I think it's, I think it's a little hard for me, or difficult for me, or it's a little sad for me, or whatever it might be that, that you get to go, and, and I don't. Now, I think for many of us are like, come on, man, what's the big deal? Like, I don't know. I think people can relate to well, this. Well, I mean, there can also be a part of saying it ought to, it ought not to bother you, and that's the part where I think many of us. That's actually how we respond to the other's envy. We hold judgment toward their envy. We might say something. Are you kidding me? I, it I might only, be really surprising. I think if we were able to name some of the things sure. that we actually envy, because it's. We all have different needs and different desires. And so sometimes when our spouse does share something, 
it comes across like, what? Mm-hmm. That? You you envy that, you know? Oh, I just take that for granted. Like, that's just something I do. And so the surprising, when we, you know, when we're surprised, it can come out as judgment, feeling like it's judged. Like, what? That's your, you know? So I think that can be a danger. And I think it takes a while to get this conversation going because I think we've tried it a couple of times and it doesn't necessarily land very well the first couple of times because like, what do you mean you're in, you know, what do, I, what do I have to do? Do I have to change my behavior? Like, Yeah, it can imply, again, this is what's so key about it. It can imply that that what I've done or the choice I made wasn't okay or wasn't good or it can imply I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So for those of you listening, maybe take a, a mental inventory or maybe you're taking notes. Like think about where where did envy show up this week? Where where did you notice? It could be in your partner's conversation with a, a, a neighbor. Uh, it could have been in a conversation with a family member. Uh, it could have been, you know, the extra half hour they spent playing pickleball. It could be the extra half hour that they lingered in their work. It could be when Lisa sometimes drives in the driveway. And she doesn't come in the door. I know she's home, but she doesn't come in the door and she's on the phone talking maybe to a good friend and she's lingering a little bit longer. Envy can say to me, it can say, oh, I don't have that. Or gosh, I wish somebody was that curious about my life sometimes. Or that's the subtlety of it. And and we're not often aware that's what it is connected to. So that, that happened the other night. <laughs> you don't even know this. I'm just aware of it as we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Lisa drives, she's gone for for all day i'm at home which is great for the most part i'm looking forward to her return and then i notice that she's in the driveway and she's on the phone for i don't know maybe another 15 minutes before she comes in now it's not here's the thing those kinds of moments aren't saying to the other you ought not to do that it's saying what is wrong with me that i actually long to have what she doesn't that's the judgment that can creep in so when Lisa walks in the door, what, what might happen? Well, I was a bit silent. I, I didn't really engage. I didn't really ask you about your day much. Part of it, it's not just bothered that you didn't come in, but it's also, oh, wow, you, you got to have a conversation or dialogue with another friend that was curious about you. At least that was my assumption. Yeah, I could have been talking to someone who was complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very subtle. It and is subtle. it's hard to... I think it's just really hard to bring up. And I think that's why we wanted to highlight it because we've just been sort of learning that and practicing that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because the hope in, in acknowledging it or naming it or putting having the courage to actually reveal it is that we really just crave the other to acknowledge, yeah, of course, oh, I could see that would be hard for you. That those I just can't underestimate the value and the power of those words. Mm-hmm. I could see how that'd be hard for you. Not as a dismissive, minimizing but as a way that says, oh yeah, oh yeah, I could see how you would you would like that too, or you would want that too, or you would desire that too, or it reminds you of also what you might ha- not have in your life that you long for. Mm-hmm. We, I think sometimes we hold contempt toward our desire, meaning that we somehow hold judgment toward what we desire that we somehow try to forbid ourselves from, or say it's off limits, or I should just be, okay, I should just be content. And, and we're saying sometimes it's okay to name longing without implication of judgment. Mm-hmm. I think um, an area that we can't really get into now, but I think it's pretty common. I've been learning about it in my um, my narrative focused trauma care, which I'm doing through the Allender Center, and just how envy can be so present in our families of origin. Mm-hmm. It can be between 
you know, us and a parent, there's a triangulation. And so there, there could be envy if, if, you know, a child is closer to one parent than the other. And Mm -hmm. so we, we might have, um, a real interesting dynamic and history with the feeling of envy. So it even might be complex in that way. There may be envy with siblings and having different Mm -hmm. relationships with parents. And so I think, you know, as you begin to unpack it in your marriage, you might also realize it might be something that was really strong in our families of origin where um, it was very present between, you know, different family members. And so that's just another area to kind of be aware of Mm -hmm. and name like, I'm really sensitive to this because of this, you know, and kind of maybe think back how, you know, in your family, how you might've sensed it or felt it or been the recipient of it from another parent or another sibling, um, which makes it again, a little bit more complex to unpack with your spouse, but is definitely playing a part and playing a role in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I so appreciate that you're able to like remind us of the power of envy and the way in which our own family of origin might have played a part in that. Cause that, that is a key piece, you know, mm-hmm. that, that sometimes I don't think we're often aware of, but how our story, our family of origin story, where was there some part of, uh, like you said, a parent that, that held envy toward you, what, what you had that they didn't. Uh, sometimes we might even say the curse of envy that sometimes there was a, there was something given to you that you didn't choose or that you didn't want or that you didn't desire that you might've achieved in a way that that parent didn't, uh, you might've had a connection with your, the other parent or their spouse or their partner in a way that they didn't. So I think that's a, it's so subtle that sometimes that's so helpful to remember and to be intentionally curious about where envy might've been part of your own family and your own story Mm -hmm. and the way it gets played out because we, if that was true, that's what's so difficult to talk about it in the present tense because it can imply something is wrong or something's not okay or we we have to make different choices or different decisions, which, okay, so be it, that, that could be it, but it's more of being aware of what happens in our body, mm-hmm. what we bear, uh, when yeah. sometimes envy is mm, somehow implied or given unto us. Right, because if, if it had been a really big part of our family of origin, mm-hmm. we might be really sensitive to it and if the other is trying to name envy and it could be something that we're already sensitive to, it could, it can really get out of proportion, you know, at that moment. And not, and just, we may not be aware, like, why am I, you know, reacting to this in such a way? And um, I think we've seen that play out a lot in our, um, our, our zoom sessions with our, we've been doing zoom sessions with our couples from the marriage intensive um, and, and we see these things at play and we are, we're able to name it because we've got a lot of eyes on it at the same time. And people have, can resonate with mm-hmm. different relationships they've had and, and the complexities. And um, so it's just another little part to be aware of. And I think what we're highlighting is the awareness is kind of, you know, the anecdote, if you will, to envy. It's not that we're going to make it go away. It's not that we're going to be able to avoid it, but it's just being able to be aware that it's happening and be able to name it and have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so our hope is as we, and this conversation is for you, for those of you listening to be mindful of where does envy reside in your own body? What do you notice uh, when your spouse partner uh, participates, experiences something that you desire long for that isn't true for you? How do you tend to hold it within? Uh, what's the caution, carefulness, ambivalence you might have in revealing it? 
uh, what is it that you need from the other when envy is named or revealed or when you feel envy? Uh, how might you be courageous to put words to, I, I think I just need you to be aware of the impact. Uh, that, that, that is for, for all of us to acknowledge the risk and the courage it takes to risk in that way uh, that allows you to move toward the other rather than perpetuating the potential disconnection that envy can create. The Reconnect Marriage Podcast is hosted by the Reconnect Institute. For more information, you can find us on the web at thereconnectinstitute.com. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Reconnect Marriage. <laughs>